All episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities. You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to another episode of It's Great Business, and I'm Janice Berg-Levy. Today's guest is an amazing woman who I met many moons ago. Her name is Lynn Hazan, and Lynn is president of Lynn Hazan and Associates. She has worked as an executive recruiter for 37 years, so I'm thinking she knows a lot about finding jobs. The year 2022 marks her 22nd anniversary. How about that? Wow as president of her own company, and she specializes in communications, marketing, and consulting searches for clients throughout the U.S. with a special emphasis on the Chicago area and the Midwest. Lynn's clients are Fortune 500 and entrepreneurial companies with an emphasis, a lot of emphasis, I would say, in PR and advertising, trade associations, and not-for-profits. Her philosophy as a recruiter represents what she calls relationship marketing. She maintains long-term relationships with both clients and candidates to ensure successful placements. Over the years, Lynn has been involved in the professional community. She has been awarded by DePaul University's Driehaus College of Business Marketing Advisory Council in June 2018. That sounds very impressive, Lynn. And in 2003, she was recognized as a Chicagoan of the Year by the Chicago Jewish News in recognition of her humanitarian relief work on behalf of Ethiopian Jewry. Wow, that, that's really amazing. I, I kind of got a chill on that one. She's a native of Canada, in fact, Montreal, Canada. And she graduated with a BA from McGill University in Montreal, Canada, and an MA from Brandeis University in Massachusetts. Lynn, I am so excited to finally be able to have this chat with you. So welcome to It's Great Business. Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be here. And what I love about connecting with you is so many points of contact that we share in areas of passion that bring us together. Absolutely. I think from one of our early conversations more recently, it was like we were finishing each other's sentences. And that's why we just said, oh my God, this is, this is a perfect discussion for us to share with the listeners of It's Great Business. So, so with that, we're going to get into it. So, so tell me, Lynn, or, and tell our listeners a little bit more. I mean, you have an amazing bio, but tell me a little bit about who you are, uh, what you believe your purpose is, and, and really, like, what are you passionate about? The word passion really describes who I am because my whole life is really a series of steps on my journey. Growing up in Canada, I was the daughter of immigrants who came from Egypt and Syria. So I really understood what it was like to be a child of immigrants and understand that a welcoming country such as Canada had to offer to us as newcomers. I was born in Montreal. I grew up speaking French as a native language. And so because of my involvement with different languages and cultures, it gave me a certain appreciation for different people, 
backgrounds and ways that everybody can contribute their unique skills. And that made me a really great recruiter, if I don't mind saying so myself, mm -hmm. because I understand what it is that a client is looking for. And also, what are the unique gifts that a candidate has to bring to be the candidate of choice? So when I recruit on behalf of clients, it's my job to find the best in class. And to do that, I really have to develop a rapport and a relationship with my candidates. And when I said we're the relationship recruiters, it's really because we maintain a career long relationship with our candidates. So we understand what makes them tick, what gets them excited about a potential new job. So really my journey as a recruiter is very much similar in many ways to candidates because I change careers. I used to work in the Jewish community and then I made a career change and got into the recruiting business 37 years ago. I appreciate the challenge and opportunities that job changers go through when they need to reinvent themselves to demand not only that their talent be seen as an asset for an organization and how a candidate needs to position themselves to be the candidate of choice. Because of that, I spend a lot of time helping and coaching my candidates to be successful. Mm. Likewise, I do the same thing and give the reality test to my clients. Uh, this is what's available in the marketplace right now. Here's where the salaries are. Uh, can we expand the specs to maybe include candidates who are non-agency so we have a bigger pool to pull from, from talent? And so it's really a, a symbiotic relationship that I form with candidates and with clients, because my goal when I place talent is win, win, win. <laughs> Candidate, client, and recruiter wins. And all three of them have to be together. Otherwise, it falls apart. Yeah, yeah interesting. So you started to talk a little bit about your personal and career journey. Tell me at the very beginning. So like, you know, I always have to ask, like, what were you studying, you know, in undergrad? And then obviously yeah. you went to grad school. What, 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 what did you think you were going to do? Well, I started off in psycholinguistics, the psychology of language, because I love language. And I thought this would be a really good connection to see how different languages connect with each other. And then over time, it got a little bit too complex at the deep structure level. And I said, you know, I think I'll just go switch to psychology. So the key thing about being an undergraduate student is that we give each other permission to experiment and to look at different career paths. And actually that's one of the reasons why I love having interns and we can talk about that later. So I did that. And then while I was an undergraduate student, I worked with seniors at the Golden Age Association. So part of my whole career journey is all about planting seeds, whether I planted them or they were planted for me. And the year of the Olympics in Montreal in 1976, I worked with senior citizens and I was getting them tickets to the opportunity for all the um, cultural events in, in Montreal. And I was writing press releases and articles and I was doing all kinds of cool stuff that included communication community organizing, events, creating programs. I invited ballet companies to come do performances. So I was already starting to see elements of my organizational skills, ability to do outreach, connect with people from different backgrounds, different kinds of uh, areas of their lives and pull everything together to create a community. And then I said, you know, 
I think I'm onto something. And I was introduced over time as I was a youth director at my synagogue to opportunities to get continuing education and learning. And because of that, I was exposed to people at Brandeis. And I said, I want to go there. So I went to Brandeis and I spent two years there getting my master's degree and living in Boston. And Boston was a whole eye-opening experience. Oh, sure. It's like the world capital for students. Every single university under the sun practically was within two miles of my house. And what were you doing? What was your area of, of focus in at Brandeis? So I got my master's degree in Jewish communal service. Okay. So because of that orientation, my immediate inclination was to work within the Jewish community. And Chicago offered me the most interesting job. I interviewed all over the country, had multiple job offers. And I said, Chicago had the most interesting job because I also wanted to be in an urban setting right. with all the resources that are available in Chicago. So I moved to Chicago and started a whole new life. And what was fascinating, and here's where synergy plays a role. Why? Because I was working first with graduate students from law schools running a summer internship program and coordinating all kinds of activities on college campuses. I eventually got my own campus at the U of I in Chicago and still ran the summer internship program. So my roots in terms of working with students and interns were planted very early in my career. And one of the things that I love doing in running my business is hiring interns. And so it comes full circle. And what I love about having interns is that I give them an opportunity to do a deep dive into what I call the jobs of the future are now. And they get a chance to learn about recruiting, about resumes, about career tracks. And many of my interns went into creative fields, went into recruiting, and I've actually placed some of my former interns directly into jobs. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. I love that. I love that. You know, I want to I want to just um, dive in a little bit in terms of you know, I'll call it, you know, crossing over. You know, you start in one industry or one type of field. I mean, and some people it's just a natural progression. Other people, you know, and and within certain industries, they go, "Wait a second, you know, you were in telecommunications, how could you possibly understand healthcare or pharma?" Um, because once you're in it, it's kind of hard to convince, you know, fill in the blank industry that your skills are probably transferable. So what, what kind of advice do you give to some people about that? I love the fact that you use the word transferable. Why? Because especially as a recruiter, I have to look at, are your skills transferable? How high up on the ladder will you be moving into? Because mm -hmm. certain disciplines are very tight in terms of specs. For example, in a lot of the healthcare fields, you have to have prior experience in healthcare. Right. If you don't have healthcare, it's too steep a learning curve initially for a candidate to get into, or you need to be a guru in technology. So we have to look at a candidate holistically and look at where your strengths are. What can you do in terms of career path that makes sense so that you can see a transition between where you already have strengths and how you can take those strengths with you into a new career path. So for example, it's a very common factor for candidates, if they're in public relations on the agency side, to eventually move into the corporate side, into corporate communications. Uh, the same thing will happen, for example, if a candidate has 
consulting experience to move into corporate. For candidates who have been in the not-for-profit sector or working in professional associations, we've done a lot of work in the healthcare space, for example. If they've done work in healthcare at a professional association or a trade association, then chances are that they can then transition. The key thing is every candidate has to ask themselves, what are my core competencies? What are my strengths? How can I transfer my skill sets? And what am I doing to keep myself up to date in terms of skills and learning? Right. Do you need to get a certificate? Do you need to get an advanced degree? Because some of my clients, you have to have a PhD or an MD or a PharmD to even be considered for a position in their organization. So the candidates have to ask themselves, all right, how long is my journey going to take? How many steps do I have to take? And how long will that process take me to get there? And so that's why continuing education is a very important part of everything that I recommend to all candidates, because the more value you can offer a potential employer, the more in demand you shall be. Right, exactly. And that's what I also advise people who, you know, contact me about career. I said, you know, you have to sell yourself too, because they're taking a chance on you, right? You are an investment in, you know, and the worst thing is when somebody invests in you and then they say, oh gosh, you know, it's, it didn't work out. It's very costly for the employer. And I think that's important also for the candidates to recognize that. Um, that's that a very good point. Right. It, yeah. it is having been, having been burned myself where you put, you know, you really believe this person's going to be able to do it. And it's tough because you're starting all over again. And it's, it's time consuming, it's costly, it's, there's challenges with it. Here's what I call the rule of three. When I present talent to clients, my goal is to present best in class talent. And so we have to be very particular about the candidates. They have to be as close as possible to what the clients are looking for. Now, let's say a candidate is on the cusp, but not quite there. I'm going to say to the candidate, keep working at this. If you really want to get into this, do freelance work, volunteer for an organization you believe in, develop a portfolio of samples so that then you can see yourself moving into that area without having it be so painful. And that's why you'll be the candidate of choice. A candidate just might need more time to finesse his or her competencies. And that's why we always recommend, here's another concept that we talk about, the WOW project. This is what we call what candidates do on their own initiative to create demand for their talent. It does require more work on the candidate's behalf. However, it works. Why? Because let's say you're interviewing for a job. You want to attract the potential hiring manager's attention. And one of the best ways that you can do that is to be a mirror image of what they're looking to hire. And you do that by creating a deck or materials or samples of work that looks like what they would potentially hire. And then at a certain point in the interview, if the timing is right, even if you're doing virtual interviews, by the way, it still works. Again, the candidate has to be very tuned into timing. The candidate might say to the hiring manager, I'm very interested in this job and I have some ideas that I'd like to share with you. And then if the content is appropriate, then the candidate might send over some materials or say, here are a few ideas that I'd like to share with you and I'll send you the deck uh, when we're done. 
when the candidate shows initiative, that says a lot about who the candidate is, what we call added value. And then the candidate gets excited, the client gets excited, and the candidate separates himself, herself from the competition. Right, right, great, great advice. So just, we're gonna go back to you a little bit. So in this journey of, of your career, as you look back, how do you define success now? And how has that perhaps changed over the years? That's a great question because the definition of success also changes over time. It, it, it's not about how many dollars you have in your bank account, although certainly you want to be profitable when you run a business. However, over time, what I've also noticed is having made a difference in people's lives and really being able to foster those not only career-long relationships, but really be able to connect with people. And way back then, I can say, I remember I placed you in this job, or the candidate said, Lynn, you placed me in this job. I want to tell you a quick story that really made an impact on me. This summer, I got an email from one of my candidates, Grace, from uh, Shanghai. And she was an intern with me in 1994-1995. She was a graduate student in Chicago at DePaul University. I was at a conference and I asked for students who might be interested in being interns with my firm. She immediately came up to me and said she was interested. She became an intern. And when she graduated, her parents came for her graduation. She gave me a beautiful gift. She made a painting that she painted herself, which was hanging on the wall. She then contacted me and we've stayed in touch over time. And she then sent me an email saying, Lynn, I have good news. I'm getting married. I know you can't come to the wedding. I'd like you to create a video of wedding blessings that we will play for my wedding. <gasps> oh my, I've never been asked to do anything like this in my life. And I started crying. Oh, I created the video. She included it as part of her wedding ceremony. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can see you're welling up now. How special. <laughs> How special. And that's what it means to make a difference. Oh, wow. Yeah, that really is an imprint. Man, whew. love it. And who would think, right? You know, it was, an, it was a simple internship. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that. I mean, I've had people who, I got to tell you, who were on my team way back in at t days and I've reconnected, and I won't say the number of years, but it's quite significant. <laughs> and they'll say now, as leaders in whatever they're doing, I use your words, and I always think of you, right? And they'll say, you know, just like, don't sweat the whatever, and, and just like little sayings that I had. And they're like, they come out of my mouth, and it's like, oh, oh my God, I wonder what Janice is doing. But that means a lot because I really had, you know, made an impression. And that's really, as I say to people, what it's all about. It's yes, of course, when you start out, you have to make a living. Yes, of course, you know, you, those are things that are the basic, right? Basic needs. But as you move through this journey, it's the people that you meet and the relationships that you forge that really, I think, enrich all of our lives and, and, and hopefully make us better and make, you know, I sound so kumbaya here, but make the world a better place, right? So I think that that's really the ultimate goal. Wow. So with all of that said, is there anything you would have done differently in your life's journey? What I would have done differently maybe is had my own family. 
sometimes the cards aren't necessarily there. So I create my own family. Nice. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, we're going to switch to a section that we call fun facts and it'll be fun facts about Lynn. So who is the person that you admire the most and why? My mother. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. My mother lived to the age of 92. (gasps) She personified lifelong learning. My father died when I was 12. Wow. She had to reinvent herself. She was an artist, a singer, a creative. Everything she did always first in class. Actually, she was also first in class in her school growing up in Egypt. And she was committed to lifelong learning. And after my father died, she had some choices about what to do with her life. She became a French teacher, extending what she was already doing a little here and a little there. And then she really took that on to become a French teacher by entrepreneurship. And she taught children. She taught adults. She taught women. She taught small groups of executive business people who wanted to hone on their French skills because Montreal was becoming more and more French speaking. So they needed that as part of their survival skills. And she gave everything to make her business successful, to help raise us so she could be with us. And so when I look at what she was able to do to transform herself into a teacher that people would call all the time, please, I need you, I need you. Can you help me? Can you help me? Absolutely. And she never turned anybody down. And so I learned from her all the time. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Wow, take a breath there, huh? Um, Okay, so how about favorite book? Well, the favorite book that I'm always about to talk about is a favorite book that I'm reading. And actually it's Love and Work and it's by Marcus Buckingham. I've been participating in his workshops and seminars and he talks about do what you love. And what I love about this is that it has given me a new spark in literally uh, about how to teach my workshops and seminars. And he has inspired me on so many levels to help bring out the best in my clients, in my candidates, my friends, my neighbors, and I've been doing all these experiential activities inspired by Marcus Buckingham himself from his latest book, Love and Work. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, shout out on that one. Um, How about your favorite city? My favorite city is Florence, Italy. Actually, I've been there a few times and I love it. Why? Because it is a case city about not only a city having beauty all around and as a testimony to the artists and Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci, it also represents a city that went through a transformation after a pandemic. Why? Because throughout history, when you think about pandemics, after the pandemic, there is a renaissance. And so what happens is there is a blossoming of creativity, of innovation, of change. And when I look at Florence, actually the accounting profession came out of that, the artists, and if you think about Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, all of the innovation about what they did as artists and their creativity and what they brought to Florence. And so in one city, you can see this metamorphosis take place 
actually the butterfly is one of my favorite symbols as well because of change and metamorphosis beauty. And that's what happened in Florence. And so when I look at cities and change over time, what inspires me is very much what the transformation that Florence went through and what I go through when I rethink about my business and change and transformation, because we all have to readapt and adapt to change so that we can keep creating demand for our talent and our expertise. So I look to the city of Florence as one of those amazing cities that personifies that kind of beauty as well. Interesting. Interesting. So favorite food? Well, I'm also a gourmet cook and I also feel inspired by food. So I love traveling and testing different cuisines. Uh, probably my favorite food is my homemade grape leaves. Uh, I make homemade stuffed grape leaves. I pick the leaves from my garden. I have a grapevine that grows. And also there's the memory associated with food. Why? Because we had a grapevine in my garden in Montreal growing up, and it was my job to pick the grape leaves. And then I learned how to make it literally sitting at the kitchen table with my mother. So the association with the food is not only the taste, the experience, the love, the joy, the passing on the skill from one generation to the next. And guess what? I do cooking demonstrations and workshops. Wow. Uh, so I teach my neighbors here in Chicago how to do stuffed grape leaves because they're growing in our garden. Wonderful. And I donate my cooking skills for fundraisers and I teach Middle Eastern cuisine. Wow, I love that. It's just so different. So Lynn, this has been absolutely amazing. And I thank you for really sharing your heart during this conversation. And, uh, and I know that our listeners are going to just really find so much valuable information and really get to know you much better. So now how can they find out, you know, how can they get to you basically? Well, we're the relationship recruiters. So we would love to keep in touch with uh, clients, candidates, people looking for jobs, uh, also internships. You can reach me at Lynn, L-Y-N-N at lhazan.com. So it's lynn at lhazan.com. Our website is lhazan.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. And so there's many different ways that you can find us. And I highly uh, look forward to keeping in touch with you. And the, the good news is I respond to three languages. You can call me Hazan, Azan, or Hazan. Beautiful. Once again, thank you so much for your time today, Lynn. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, check us out on Facebook at Intracoastal Marketing, LinkedIn at Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, and Instagram and Twitter at It's Great Business. And visit us on the web at intracoastalmarketingstrategy.com.